Welcome to Why Play Music. I'm your host, Steve Burke. My guest today is jazz pianist, songwriter, and poet Aidan Scrimger. While studying jazz piano and American studies at Tufts University and the New England Conservatory, Aidan developed an interest in traditional music of Ireland and Appalachia. His band Pumpkin Bread has performed acoustic folk music all around the country. Quick note, on this episode we ran into some technical issues while recording the first song, so instead of hearing us play it together, you will hear a version that Aiden recorded himself after our conversation. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy my chat with Aiden Scrimger. Cheers. All right. Well, Aiden, thanks for being on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me, Steve. Yeah. You know, I was thinking before uh, you came over when we were setting up here, I was actually trying to think of when we first played together for the first time, and I couldn't really think of it because... Um, it's kind of like we've always been playing together in my mind because I don't know, as long as I've been taking music seriously, you've been somebody who I've gotten together with and played music. It seems like I I'm trying to pinpoint the exact moment when I actually met you, but I'm sure there was a moment, but I don't remember what it was. Do you have any memory? I'm not sure. I remember one of the early gigs we played was at the, the jazz brunch at village tavern. And I think if that, I'm not sure if that was the first moment we played together, but I think that was the first moment we were on a small gig together where we sort of got to like interact musically and afterwards, you know, or, you know, appreciated each other's playing and then said, let's, let's do this more. Um, that's sort of the moment that stands out to me. And that's the village tavern in Salem. And at that point that was Derek Hayden's gig. Right. You had known Derek through Brian Cogger. Is that possible? I did know Derek through through Brian Cogger, who's a um, trumpet player who was organizing a lot of these um, gigs back when I was in high school. The funny thing about the Village Tavern um, brunch gig was I actually started that one because once I walked in and I was raising money for, for the school band and I asked for donations um, from the owner and... And then, and then I just mentioned, I said, actually, I'm a musician. Um, do you need live music? And he said, you know, uh, give me your number, give me your card. And I had just made my business cards. So I gave him a business card. And the next day he calls me and says, do you want to come play brunch on Sunday? I'll pay you whatever, $50 or something. And I said, yeah, great. Wow. Um, so then I was doing that. I was doing that gig weekly for a while. And then um, it ended up. I think I, I wasn't available for a while, so then I gave it to Derek. Um, but it was one of those funny circumstances how like a, a session starts because I know so many people who I've met so many people over the last however many years who have played at the Village Tavern. Um, and that was like their first the first time they did music back with when I was, you know, 16 and just walked in and asked if i could play i was gonna say so how <laughs> old were you you were you must have been what a junior in high school or so yeah i probably at that point i was probably i probably actually was a senior so i was probably 17 in the last year of high school so at that point was it jazz because that gig eventually turned into to a bit of a jazz brunch was it were you offering to play jazz at this gig yes yeah it was for the for the i think that's how i originally you know, advertise myself um, to Andrew, the owner. Interesting. Um, yeah. So that's kind of industrious for a 16-year-old to just walk into a club, hand the business owner a business card and say, 
not only can I play music at your club, but we're going to do a jazz brunch. So you were, you, you mean, at that point, you must have been taking music pretty seriously. I think I just, you know, was full of myself, <laughs> you know, or no, I, I don't know. I, I think I had some experience um, playing gigs with other people um, at that point and wanted to do it more and thought if I want to do it more, I need to make, you know, I made demo CDs and I made business cards and, you know, I was just taking the steps that seemed like the steps you would take to get to be able to play more for people because it was something that you know at that time my life was like and still is was like very exciting that I could you know play for people play with other musicians who were like just like really talented and and uh and make money doing it and I was like this is so cool (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah it's really something yeah I can remember the first time I actually made an amount of money where it made me think a little bit hard about doing it, where it wasn't a significant amount of money, but I, I had, you're, you're, you're telling me you're actually going to pay me some money to come up here and, and play tunes for you, you know, right, just right. the idea. And for me, it was in high school as well, like being a high school kid and somebody handing you 50 bucks for doing what you're doing all day, every day. Anyway, it's a pretty amazing feeling. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So can you take us back a little bit? to like your origin with music so you you mentioned that at that point you were playing with a few bands but you got started in music much earlier I'm sure before high school is that right yeah I actually started playing very at a very young age when I was four my parents got me a keyboard sort of randomly for Christmas and I immediately took a liking to it Um, I remember I loved listening to all the demo songs on it you know, there's the hundred, the Casio keyboard with the 99 demo songs. And I had like my favorites, like I liked 86 American Patrol and uh, Waltzing Matilda 55, you know. Um, so I was like really excited about it. Um, and eventually, I think I started taking lessons around, I think it was when I was four, almost five years old. So very early. Wow, that is um, very early. And I was, I, don't, I was a motivated student, I think, at that time. You know, I, I, I liked writing songs. And, you know, I, I would write songs about all these, like, imaginary worlds that I had drawn maps of and have had, like, a book of all these songs about the all these countries that I'd created. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I started taking lessons around that time. Um, and... Actually, my first piano teacher, Leah Miles, lives in New York City now, so I I see her around every once in a while. That's pretty cool. Um, but she must have been, a, I think she was a student at Salem State College at that time. Um, so that's pretty like forward thinking of your parents to not only get you a keyboard at such a young age, but also notice the potential or notice the interest and push you to music lessons at such a young age. I mean, that we're both music teachers and we've both taught students as young as five or maybe even younger, but um, that's quite young. You know, the five-year-olds are very, very young. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think your parents saw in you just in in your reaction to the piano that made them kind of say, okay, we'll take this a little bit more seriously. I'm not sure. I think it was just, it was probably just, I, you know, I showed an interest, you know, I think I, Again, I'm not real. I don't, I don't remember that time that well, you know. But I, I 
I have seen some videos of myself playing, like, even before I started taking lessons, and it just, I look so happy and excited, and, and it's, uh, um, it's clear that, like, I, you know, I connected with the instrument and connected with music, and I always liked dancing, too. We had these uh, CDs, A Night Out with the Verve, and there were four different CDs, dancing, romancing, uh, whining, and dining. And so I just remember listening to those in the living room, like when I was young, three or four, and just dancing to them. What was um, the music like on those records? Uh, it was just, they were compilation CDs of jazz, um, mostly like, you know, 40s to 60s kind of stuff. 40s to 60s, so mostly kind of straight swing music, or was there some interesting, like, you know, more modern jazz sounds on it? Not, more more sort of more sort of straight ahead kind of stuff but depends on the, the different cds had, were very different you know there was like some you know Ella Fitzgerald there was uh Bill Evans you know like uh Sonny Rollins you know a lot of a lot of the classics <laughs> yeah now I know your dad is a um among other things he's a poet and a writer and I, we'll get to it, but I know that too you collaborated on a musical, which I want to talk to you about. But um, are your parents musicians? No, not really. My my uh, well, my parents are both you know creative people, and and uh, both my mom and dad both have written, um, but written books, and and uh, you know I think that influenced my, you know they definitely encouraged my creative side and our, you know, influences for me in my life, for sure. Um, and, but they, they, neither of them really played music. Um, my, my dad, my dad di um, does play and played, you know, has picked up the guitar for periods of time on and off in, in his life. And we actually, we've, we played together we would like when I was starting to like learn how to play chords, we would play some songs together. Um, and so, but it wasn't like I was in a house where there was music playing all the time. Um, so it, it's kind of interesting that I, I, uh, you know, was so drawn to it and it's such a part of my life now because it's definitely not something I grew up around at, at all times, you know? Mm -hmm. And, it sounds like you were exposed to jazz at an early age. Were you learning some of that music by ear? Like, how did you get started kind of um, moving towards jazz? Or how did, what, what was it, what was the process like towards, of uh, taking music a little bit more seriously? Right. Well, I, I stopped, I actually stopped taking piano lessons in middle school because I wanted to be cool and I wanted to focus on basketball and, but I wasn't tall enough. Um, but so I, I, I started, you know, I, I stopped taking the lessons around that time um, when I was maybe 11 or 12. Um, but there was like, I was still involved in the band in school. And um, there was something like I knew, I always knew that I couldn't just stop playing music because I just knew it was part of like me and like my life. I just knew I couldn't totally stop. But I also really wanted to be cool. And that was, you know, music didn't feel like something that was cool at in middle school, you know, at that moment in my life. Um, so anyway, I, so I, I sort of like 
stopped. But and then in high school, um, my high school had like a band program, so I was involved with that, and I played in the jazz band, and I just ended up meeting some musicians through the through the jazz band who were serious about it and were playing gigs, and I thought this is this is really cool. <laughs> and so you know, were those the were those the guys who you eventually formed a band with that you mentioned? You you, you mentioned before you started that jazz brunch. You were playing in some bands and already starting to gig. Um, were these friends from high school? Were these that was this that same clique? Um, sort of. I mean, it, it was. Uh, you know, I, I think I think there were a few different. You know, there was a there were a couple older musicians in my jazz band who I looked up to, and then I also started getting together with some friends who are my age, writing songs. Started kind of a rock band with them. Um, and just was like working on recording projects with them. Um, so both of those things were sort of happening. You know, I was really like, I sort of made the decision at some point, probably around the so- my sophomore year in high school, where I said, I'm going to really learn. I really want to learn jazz. I just like, how do I do it? You know, and I remember actually asking the bass player in the jazz band because he was a, he was a great player and he seemed, he was serious about them learn it learning and and i was just like can you can you uh can you just help me learn like how how do i do this you know basically like how do i get the sound you know i feel like that's a question that we're still asking as we like we both sort of like delve into different kinds of music and like just that question of like how do you this person can do it how do i get how do i find that sound you know and i just remember him him saying oh you just have to listen to it a lot and and then so he gave me a list of like 20 albums. And then that year I would listen to them on the bus ride to school like every morning. Um, wow. Sort of absorbing. You know, it's a funny period to think about because I really I didn't really know very much about the music at all. I just was kind of like, this seems like something really interesting and I want to learn more about it. But I didn't, you know, it was hard to. I didn't know how, you know, and, and so just, I was mostly just like listening a lot. Mm. Um, That's pretty forward thinking just to take it on, uh, the advice of a friend. Hey, just listen to the, to this music. And then for you to check out, you know, a handful of records and listen to it over and over and over again. And yeah. now as an adult, like we can see as adults, like we can see that's absolutely the way to learn. That was great advice. <laughs> it was you great know? advice. But as a kid, I can imagine it being kind of frustrating. Right, to, to, right, right it seems kind of elusive, you know, and jazz is, you know, very difficult music. It's very complicated and it's multifaceted and there's a lot to performing it right. Right. Um, but to even approximate the sound or even make yourself sound a little bit like that music can be really, really difficult. Yeah. Did you find it kind of easy once you, once you got the sound in your ear through listening to all this music, did you find that some things did become more clear? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think it was just a gradual process of becoming more familiar with the sound I wanted to get and then becoming more confident on the piano and learning the vocabulary, you know? Um, yeah. And I, I think pretty soon, you know, I, I, I definitely, I definitely was someone who may, might've gained confidence quicker than I gained skill, you know, at that time. And I, I don't think that's necessarily... A bad thing but I, I i think i was i really wasn't like around that many musicians who were like doing or like people my age who were doing what i was doing so i i thought 
you know, I thought that like I was really good at that time, you know, because I was like, I, I thought I had really like learned, you know, I, I thought I was like learning really fast and, and I, I think I was, I think I was learning really fast, but I also didn't really have other musicians my age around me who were doing the same thing. You know, it was right. kind of just this thing that I decided that I should do, <laughs> you know? So it sounds like it was something that was pretty personal for you. Like you, you heard this music and it was something that you decided this is for me, you know, what do you think it was about that music that really, that really, you know, elicited that response in you? What was it? What was it about it? That was so captivating. That's a good question. And I mean, sorry, one more question. Like yeah. what, what music specifically do you think of when you think of that music? Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think I was, you know, my whole life I was in this settings where I was playing music in groups, but I was playing in band or, you know, in concert band playing saxophone or clarinet. And I always just wanted to make my parts up because I always could hear stuff and always played by ear. And, some teachers encourage that and some teachers discourage that, but I knew that was the way I like to approach music, that it should be felt playful and should feel like, you know, there is a creative element to it that like I liked, I liked being able to write, to come up with my own music and improvise and play what I hear and maybe not have a part that I just have to master. I, I mean, I think that's like, also my own like learning style is that certain those things come e more easily to me than mastering a classical piano sonata or something. Um, so I think that was one thing that really like drew me to jazz was that that was so much the approach was so free and open compared to the other music I had played. And that just suited my um, tendencies, you know, and the, what I liked, the things I liked about music. Um, and then to answer your other question, I think, I think specifically of like discovering YouTube and watching, I mean, I'm not sure when I discovered YouTube, but just like watching these video, these concert videos, you know, around that time, I remember specifically like watching like the John Coltrane quartet and watching like McCoy Tyner play and just like having a really like powerful, you know, just like feeling the the spirit and the power of like that watching this video of this concert in whatever 1965 playing my favorite things you know and just you know just having that moment where you see this see something and it just stays with you for a long time because it's it's sort of you know I thought at that time I was like this is I want that I want to be able to do that I want to have that I want to be in that space I want to have that feeling I just want to like exist or live in this way you know because it was so inspiring yeah and it's yeah. interesting that it came through in that music too because that music is so alive and it's so active yeah i think that's like a great example of what um of what playing music can be like at its best which is like especially <clears throat> people like you and i have always kind of connected over improvisation mm -hmm. and over like the performance element of it and that band is such a almost kind of like a you know very spiritual spiritually minded band mm-hmm it's an awareness of something beyond just music for entertainment's sake, music for dancing's sake. There's something almost like religious about that music. And there's mm -hmm. certainly something religious about Coltrane's music, but um, that quartet there, they take it very, very seriously, but it also looks like a ton of fun. Like it's yeah, a very yeah. like almost, mm -hmm. it's almost like watching sports where it's like, 
you're watching people who are so amazing at what they do and they're just playing they're just playing a game Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you mentioned basketball and i know you've done a lot of thinking about basketball and i know your father's done a lot of kind of deep thinking about basketball and i find it really interesting because i've always felt as somebody who's let's say not naturally good at sports (laughs) um i've always found there are some parallels between sports and jazz specifically such as like the element of like showing up and performing in the moment. There's something about like the preparation of, of say a basketball player running plays, warming up, doing drills, all to just in the moment, be able to make the right call in one second's time. Mm -hmm. Maybe something different would be like a classical musician who practices every movement and they know exactly what's going to happen that night. Um, they practice a lot and then they show up and they just have to play it and not to take anything away from classical music, but something about sports and about jazz, it requires you to be in a very specific open mindset to like accept what is here and then adapt. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there have been any kind of like parallels between your love of sports and basketball and your love of improvisation and performance? Mm, that's a good question um you know i i this is something i was thinking about today because i i was teaching um this afternoon and i was thinking about i have trouble convincing students to practice exercises but i think it's kind of because i have trouble convincing myself to practice exercises sometimes um but i i guess i was thinking about the way that um it's really similar to like what you were saying about how it's like, it's a lot of just like preparation and keeping in shape. You know, I feel like that's a lot of like being a musician and taking it seriously is a lot of like these exercise scales and arpeggios and whatever we do to like, you know, warm up and get accustomed to an instrument. Um, It's just kind of like stretching, you know, it's kind of like doing sprints at practice or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? So and it's it's just like yeah just keeping yourself in good shape and keeping your relationship with your body or your instrument both those you know all those relationships like feeling good you know and feeling like um yeah you're in the right you're able to like execute you know just like you might have to in basketball like when the moment comes so it's just like kind of being well prepared and being able to to feel relaxed and and comfortable and you know like you're able to do what you intend to do you know yeah yeah totally um do you still find like that jazz and improvisation is what's really pushing you in music these days because i know that you've we'll, we'll, we'll get to all of this but um one thing that's interesting about you is that you've made a jump from jazz music to playing a lot of traditional styles of music and folk music. And now you're, be- you're becoming just a multi-instrumentalist on all these stringed instruments and acoustic instruments, and you're doing some songwriting. And I don't know if you've been doing that along the way, but um, I was very you know, interested when I found out that you were in college for jazz piano and you joined an Irish folk trad group. Um, 
is improvisation still something that is really pushing you in music or has something else kind of come into your world of music making and music, uh, uh, your music yeah. career? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's just the ever evolving process of getting excited about something and then following it until I'm not excited about it anymore. You know, um, I think I was for the reasons sort of we talked about earlier, I was really drawn to jazz at that moment in high school and still am. Um, but you know, living in Boston, I got to, um, be a part or, you know, mostly just go see Irish sessions, you know, and we're just amazed by like how, again, like the energy that was there, you know, just like the, how it felt really collaborative and like how much repertoire everyone, there were just a lot of ways in which that, that music like really blew me away. And like, um, and so I was, I thought I want to do this, you know, and just in the same way that sort of connected me to, um, like the scene songwriter scene. And I had friends who were, you know, writing songs and performing songs. And that also really inspired me just the way that, you know, just seeing people who could connect words and music and make meaning and make people feel things. And I thought that's what I, I want to do that, you know? So, um, you know, now I think like improvisation is something, um, and I, th I, I, I assume you relate to this too, you know, just knowing like a lot of the gigs that we both played, you know, maybe how like eight years ago or something where there's a lot of improvisation always and playing gigs now that feel, you know, like it's almost like that's like this, that's like this muscle that still thing that still like we still still exist and still is important and it just sort of like it just exists in a lot of it can exist in a lot of different contexts you know that feeling of like playing together and improvising together with other people um you know it can it can exist as in different genres it can improvisation can happen can work in different ways it's not necessarily taking a solo it can be just like you know, could be more free or it can be uh, just like interacting as a rhythm section under a singer or, you know, there's a lot of ways in which like in improvisation exists, but I love improvisation, you know, like I think like that's something that's a part of music that like feels really good and feels really exciting. And like, um, I guess I, I guess in terms of like the uh, the types of music I've been interested in have evolved so much over the years, but I think in terms of the music I play, I feel like improvisation is always a really important part of the music that I'm playing. It's just figuring out how to put all those pieces together, you know, and that's always changing too. I like what you said about how how improvisation can kind of creep into different genres even genres that you might not think of as like improvisational genres and i can totally relate i mean that's mm -hmm. you talked about some of the gigs we played eight years ago and for some context those might be you know playing some grateful dead songs almond brothers songs john schofield kind of funk music yeah. and and more freedom there's like a lot of freedom there and when i think of that music i think of us kind of starting with something but the whole idea is to kind of make something like through improvisation and communication, kind of like turn a very simple kind of funk riff 
but then make it into something that's actually worth listening to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that music is, uh, is very free. Like if somebody takes it somewhere, that's where we go. And, and there's right. a lot of them and when, and their solos and, you know, you're free to really do a lot, but there is, as you mentioned, like something like Irish music, there is a collaborative in the moment reactionary style of music making where somebody does something you don't, somebody does something that's unexpected you don't necessarily reject it you know you accept it for what it is and then you play off of that maybe or mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. um in songwriting how playing your music with other people and seeing how other people add things to it i mean just the other night we were playing each other's original music with um with some friends and there's just a when that's at its best it seems like it's like so collaborative even though it's like mm -hmm, your song mm -hmm somebody else gets a good idea and it's like, yes, you know, let's explore that, that community element, that collaborative reactionary element. In other words, improvisation right. is kind of a through line through all of what you do. It seems. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, do you find that you've been, you've ever, have you, do you find that you've played in contexts where that freedom was kind of stifled? Have you found um, yourself performing in bands like, yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. You know, it just depends, you know, I think there are different things I can appreciate about different groups, you know, um, and often, you know, I played in a lot of projects and, you know, or just like gotten called for a gig, you know, where I, I just go in and I play the part and that's, that's fun and it's cool. And especially when the, the band is really listening and, and I like the writing and then it's really, it's great. You know, but um, it's really fun to play with people who and play in a context where you feel like things can really open up and you don't know what's going to happen until it happens, you know, and that's that's, you know, those that's like the some of those the early gigs I played when I was, you know, when I was like 17 and that's how it felt, you know, and that's what made me say, this is what I, I want to do this, you know, this, this is, this is the best thing, you know, just like being able to, you know, be in the space where you're with people and you're listening and, and you don't know what's going to happen, you know, and you're just like pushing, everyone's pushing each other to, to like, just like, look, you know, here's, here's a, here's a, you know, long section that's just like E and like do something cool go you know and like that, that those like you know we think about we sort of talking i was talking about like exercises earlier and practicing and you know it's like those moments are so are so fundamental to like growing as a musician where you're just playing with someone and they're just like go we're an e just go make something say something you know um so yeah i i, I definitely feel like I think that's still something I'm like figuring out, you know, what contexts I like to, I enjoy playing in. But I think the one thing I do, like when playing different genres, something I, I'm, I'm coming to notice is like the more I know the genre really well, the more I, the better it feels to play, which seems obvious, but you know, like I think sometimes in context where there's less improvisation and I'm just playing a part, if I know exactly the part that should be played, then it feels good. But I think 
sometimes I end up in situations where I don't know exactly what should happen in this context. And it feels like, oh, I just have to play this part. And that's sometimes when, you know, I start to like, you know, have whatever tense up or like have, you know, not, not feel like relaxed and like free with what I'm doing. Gotcha. Yeah. I I remember one thing you said to me one time was like, um, we were talking about playing weddings and mm-hmm. being in the wedding mm-hmm. world and yeah. and you said you know it's it's just so fun it can be so fun and it can be so it can be such a positive experience but when it's negative it's because you just feel like nobody's listening mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. not even necessarily mm-hmm. about the audience i don't think right i mean like at, at a yeah. wedding you don't necessarily expect a very um cap captivated audience you know checking yeah. out your your sounds and your solo and everything but certainly you want the band to at least be listening to you totally totally and uh it sounds to me like kind of a through line in your enjoyment of music or your passion about music has been collaborative like it sounds like Mm -hmm. you get really Mm -hmm. excited about playing with other people yeah you mentioned i want to go back to one thing that you said was Mm -hmm. uh, um about um somebody pointing to you and saying hey we're in e go and how (laughs) those moments really pushed you in music, you know, is there anybody or any particular context that you can think of who did that for you? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, a lot. Uh, something that comes to mind is uh, the sax player, Henley Douglas, who we both have played with um, um, from the North Shore. And um, I I would go, you know, when I was young, when I was in high school and starting to go play, I'd go sit in with him Um and I wouldn't know what I was doing at all, but he always tells a story that's sort of like along those lines or where he was, you know, he's asking me like what, or I asked him like, what, what's the, you know, what, what are the chords of the song? And he said, oh, it's D. He said, it's in D. And I said, oh, D, just D. And he said, yeah, just D. And then I said, oh, and then, and then I like, you know, played it something that was, he, I mean, he tells this story that like, when I, like every time I see him now, you know, um, but he was, I mean, he was like a really important, he was a really important influence for me because he was like, I don't know. He'd like let this random 16 year old kid come up and just like take a three minute long solo in D, you know? And that was, that's like how I, that like helped me grow and helped me like find confidence in myself and my my voice and whatever. So I can see why, you know, Mm -hmm. I can see why, and I can see how impactful it can be for somebody like that who has a gig, you know, and Henley is a legend and Henley's the patriarch of that whole scene. And we could go on about, about Henley. Um, But just anybody who has some sort of platform taking somebody who, who doesn't like, like you were a 16 year old kid getting started music and saying, Hey man, like, come on up here. What do you got? Mm -hmm. And giving you that opportunity. Yeah. It's kind of like both a safe place where you can, it's okay if something goes wrong. It's expected maybe that you're not perfect. Right. But it's also something that's very challenging and very vulnerable. Like you're out there. You, now's your chance, you know, like you're, you're on the spot. And right. That totally. pressure. And I know in my own life, that pressure has generally been the thing that pushes me forward. Like if there's some pressure, it generally means that like I, I really care about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you mm-hmm. feel like that changed that changed something about the way that you were approaching music when when those types of experiences started to happen? Did you sort of change what you were practicing or changing your 
relationship to music at all because of those mm. reactions yeah and because of those opportunities i think so you know i think i think we all have like i've been thinking about this with teaching students too like we all have like a lot of moments of like exposure in our lives that let like push us you know like make us realize that we can do this thing or make us realize that this possibility exists you know and and make us realize the things that we need to do to do this thing or to you know you know the things that i need to do if i want to like if i want to write a so- write songs or something what are the things i need to do and i it's hard to you know it it's not obvious what those things are until you really have that that moment where you see someone you have you know you watch a performance and you have this like deep emotional connection to what's happening and then you say wow i am going to do this how do i do it <laughs> you know but it's like getting to that point is so difficult you know getting to that point with music and i think about that with like students i have especially like during the pandemic the last few years it's hard to see how music exists in the context of the world you know and for me so much of what makes music a powerful thing is the way it exists like for like between musicians and for audiences and like all those relationships and like the way it can create community and you know i think like as a whatever 11 year old musician you know you have to have that you have to have just some sort of like window into that for it to really for that aspect of music to even be a possibility you know and to have that motivation to you know like want to get to that next to that place where you can do it you know um so anyway i i I think like you know i'm really grateful for like opportunities i had especially when i was like younger even though i wasn't like you know in a program that had a lot of jazz or you know around a lot of young people who are playing the same kind of music as I was I definitely like had a few windows into like people who are doing making improvised music and performing professionally and those windows made it you know motivated me and pushed me and made like made it clear like oh if I want to do this I have to I have to work on this I have to do this you know totally and that exposure you know as you say like Mm -hmm. that exposure to music in the real world it can be so abstract right like if you're yeah. just listening to whining and dining and dancing and romancing like, right on this compilation of this music performed by people who you know were as as far as an 11 year old is concerned these people were alive 150 years ago like right. you know it, it it's very kind of abstract what you're even listening to like what uh-huh. is that but to see live music in front of you is transformative and i think even as an adult it can be completely transformative mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but I think we we were both very lucky to be exposed to music at a young age and to also grow up in an area where there was a scene like mm-hmm. that Salem, Massachusetts, Definitely. North Shore scene. It really existed. It was real and it still exists. It's very healthy. But when, when we were younger, we could go out and see music at, say, Dodge Street or later, you know, Chianti, where mm-hmm. I'm assuming you played with Henley for the first time was yeah. at someplace like Chianti or mm-hmm. in a pig's eye in Salem. Yeah. And um, it 
it's really, I think, such an important thing. And it sounds like for you, the idea of like being exposed to something, seeing people doing it, it forms this image in your head of like, I could do that or I want to do that. Like, mm-hmm. That's for me. Mm-hmm. It's like you got the piano and it was an instant reaction like this is for me. And then there's another reaction when you see other people maybe playing the piano on a stage and you say like, that's for me. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. 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 Interesting. So why don't we um, play another tune? Sounds good. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, cool. Great. I'm singing the same tune again. Thought it was all over, but here it is playing in my head. Thought that I had settled on other tunes instead, but I'm singing the same tune again. Walking the same walk just like before Thought that I had worked things out And wouldn't have to wander anymore But now I'm out here walking Just like last November in the cold Walking the same walk just like before feel the coldness of the cold be cradled by the winter fall in love with the things I cannot hold like the first leaves of autumn or the early winter snow I want to feel the coldness of the cold
All right, so we're back. So that song was an original of yours called uh, November Song. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. I was th- I was realizing as we were playing it that we've been talking for like 45 minutes about jazz music and like improvisational music and Irish music, and we barely scratched the surface of this thing that you've been really into lately that I know, you know, like we, we hang out and we play together a lot. And one thing that's becoming clear is that you've been writing a lot of tunes, like you've been writing a lot of songs specifically. And, um, you know, could you talk a little bit about how you, well, like what this kind of foray into songwriting is? I know you mentioned you, when you were a kid, you used to write songs. Um, has this always been a passion of yours or, or is this something that, um, has taken on some energy in the last couple of years? Um, you know, I think, I think, uh, specifically, you know, writing songs, uh, in the form of a song feels like a rel, not, not super new thing, but something I think, you know, when I probably started about six years ago or so, you know, thinking I want to, I want to write songs, um, and songs as in like play the guitar and write some verses in the chorus, you know? And so then the band I was playing with in Boston, Pumpkin Bread, I would write, I did a lot of writing for that group. Um, and, you know, I think it's something that's always just sort of come and gone in my life, you know, as a musician, just like, uh, sometimes I, uh, I'll have a period where I write a lot of songs and I'm excited about playing guitar and, and writing. And then I'll go a few months where I don't write anything. And then, then it comes back again, you know. Um, that one that was one I wrote about two years ago. Um, and it's just one that sort of I just thought of the other day and felt like one that I wanted to bring back. So I know we've played it before, too. So that's great. Yeah. Do you, Have you done any recording um, with any of these songs that you've written outside of Pumpkin Bread? We'll talk about Pumpkin Bread, too. But um, have you... Have you done any recording of some of these original songs? Um, I I mean, I've messed around, but uh, nothing that exists anywhere in the world other than on my computer. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I like having songs like sort of in my in my suitcase or whatever, because uh, I can bring them to thing to projects and um, sort of work work them out through with other people and you know think about oh this thing i wrote will fit really well in this context or this thing will fit well in this context um and i think that's something i was sort of feeling like i wanted more of maybe like last year and then i got a whole another batch of songs the last few months so now i'm excited to start figuring out where they fit you know um you know i don't at the moment i don't really have you know, ambitions to record a solo album of songs I've written, but um, I like to write and I like to, uh, you know, f- find where the things I write fit. You know, In what what group, what project I'm playing with. You know, and um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about um, Pumpkin Bread? How you got involved with with those folks? Um, for those who don't know. I mean, you could probably introduce it better than I can, but Pumpkin Bread is an Irish folk trad um, kind of super group of all these like amazing young musicians from Boston. Um, 
I know a lot of them went to school with you, right, at Tufts and NEC. Mm-hmm. What's kind of the history of you with that band, and what's the what's the history of that band in general? Yeah, so we started um, towards the end of my time in college, um, right around the time you know I was getting into really getting into Irish music, and um, you know I, I think the band sort of we called ourselves sort of an Irish folk trad group, but really you know it was like it took those influences. And it was really just like original acoustic music, you know, with that instrumentation and with some of those sounds and the instruments. But really, mostly, um, you know, I don't think we approached it like a a group that's playing trad music. You know, I think we approached it as let's take this, you know, take this sound and like write our own music that can use the sound, you know, Um and it does have kind of a unique instrumentation. Could you, could you tell us what that is? So, yeah, it's is? it's mandolin, fiddle, guitar, piano, and accordion. So no bass player, no drummer, you know, which I think really, uh, like, changes changes this. It's not, it's kind of uncommon, you know, and to have the piano sort of being this really full voice that takes up all the space um, and guitar being the percussion, really. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of Irish guitar, you know, it's a very rhythmic style, you know, and, and Connor her and the guitar player you know he's the incredible irish guitar player and like really plays you know plays plays like a drummer you know and um so so yeah i think like we we used uh you know i think it was it wasn't like we had this specific idea for this is the sound we want to create i think it was just you know a group of friends who played music together and we thought well what instrument should we play in this band and then we sort of like oh we need an accordion we have two piano players. That's too many. Someone play accordion. And that was you. So I ended up playing a lot of accordion. We swapped sometimes, you know, so I'd play uh, some piano and some accordion. But Were you playing a lot of accordion prior to joining Pumpkin Bread? No, not really. I think, um, I mean, I, I think I got interested in the instrument because I thought it could be a, you know, a good one to fit into Irish music and just other sort of kinds of traditional music. Um, and I had one lying around from my grandparents um who got it at a yard sale in kansas city missouri and so i just uh you know picked it up and started you know started to like try to figure out how it worked it's i mean it's very similar to a piano but in a lot of ways it's a whole different instrument so and it certainly has its own voice and mm-hmm. you know there are different things even just different ways of uh, articulating a note right i mean the fact that you can sustain a note in a slightly different way or you can um you it just has such a different voice. It's such a, oh, you know, for sure. and, um, so you got started on the piano and then you played a little bit of accordion. When did you start playing some other instruments? Cause I know you play a little mandolin and I know you play guitar, you know, and you sing. So how did you get into these other instruments? It's sort of been gradual over the last, you know, six or seven years, you know, like I, I definitely have found myself in a lot of, like a lot of settings where I'm like playing tunes or songs with people and guitar is just a nice instrument to do that on or mandolin or some kind of strummy instrument, you know? So, you know, I, I think again, that also feels like it sort of comes in phases, you know, for a few months I'll be like, I'm going to be an Irish tenor banjo player. And then, then I like lose motivation and I do something else, you know? 
and then I come, maybe I'll come back to it in three years or something, you know, <laughs> after playing the alto sax, right, right, for a couple of, couple of months, right, which you do. I mean, you play the alto sax, right? You know, it's it's been a, it's been a while, but I, I do, and I I do I teach it a little, I teach sax a little bit, um, nice. but that's a that's definitely something that's um, I'm on a long break from at this moment, you know. <laughs> but it sounds like what is got your attention right now is songwriting in some ways, right? I mean, you mentioned a whole bunch of songs came out in the last couple months that, out of you, you know, that you've that you've been developing, and that's a really exciting thing. I wanted to talk a little bit about your history with with just writing and the written word and how it relates to music, because um, I know your dad's a, a wonderful poet. And your home is so, and you mentioned your mom is a writer as well. And I know they're both teachers and lovers of the written word, as I know you are. So um, how is how is writing fitting into all of this as you're developing your voice on the piano and you're getting serious about instrumental music? Um, where is writing through all this? Were you writing at the time? Did you have a passion for poetry? Um, can you tell us a little bit about your history with writing. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, definitely grew up in a household of, with writer parents and, and, uh, you know, who are both like inspirations for me and my life. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've always, you know, I've always like, liked, I've always liked reading. I've always liked, uh, you know, especially since, since, uh, you know, taking some classes in college, you know, I've been interested in poetry and have, have been like writing stuff sporadically, you know, over the years. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I, I try to write consistently, um, be it, you know, what, whatever it is, you know, write in some form consistently. Um, and I think figuring out how to uh, combine words with music in a way that feels like authentic and meaningful and um, is challenging <laughs> and is something that like I'm, you know, I, I, I definitely cared, care about a lot and have like, uh, you know, I, I think I, I am very like, I have a lot of opinions about, you know, like what, you know, what, what works and what, what I sort of want from it. Um, you know, I feel like I'm not really answering your question, but I, I, I think, I think, uh, I do think it's like, it's something that I, I do think about like how to combine written word and music. And, and I think there are just so many different forms in which, written word exists and music exists and you put them together and it can be in the form of a country song and there can be something said in a country song or it can be in the form of a spoken word piece with accompanying piano or it could be in the form of a musical or it could be you know there's so many different options for like creating something that combines these two elements um and I don't know. I guess I'm kind of excited about just like exploring different, different, uh, different ways of combining words and music. That's great. See what works. <laughs> One thing that stood out that you said though is um, to create 
to combine words and music to create something meaningful. What exactly, what does that mean for you? You know, like what, what is me, what would, what would something that's meaningful be? You know, what, what, what is the point of, of putting together music and words? Um, and, you know, can you talk a little bit about like what that word means to you? Meaningful. What, what is, what is, what is a meaningful effort? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, you know, it's like opening something, opening something up that is there. You know, like, I I think a songs are very specific type of writing that feels maybe different than writing a short story or something, um, where I feel like songs, at least in my approach to songs, it's just a, it's a moment. It's really just capturing a moment and a feeling and then just trying to separate and pull out as many things from it as you can, you know, and, uh, try to do it in a way that's pretty simple and concise, you know? Um, and I think it's, it's exciting because it's like pretty easy, you know, you don't have to like spend that much time on it, but you just have to like, make sure you get it right. (laughs) You know? Um, so it's a little bit like, like painting a picture, like you have a feeling, an idea. And then as you said, you sort of explore that one idea as simply like to describe some some kind of idea is that it like some kind of feeling mm-hmm. to kind of pull it apart and have it be understood yeah i i think that's a big i think it's often just like solving a puzzle you know like i i think that's something i really value about you know this is it feels like a different process than like what we were talking about before music being a collaborative thing you know i think writing or songwriting feels like not necessarily as much of like that's there's a very personal element to it where it's it's about you know having an experience or a feeling and then sort of like coming to understand it and translating it into three minutes of words you know and that is something that um you know I think it's just like a valuable I find it a valuable process for myself you know to like really really like go deep into this moment or this thing that I'm thinking about a lot and just try to like try to be like really specific about what what it is you know Mm -hmm. um I think that's something that like I think that's something that's really cool about like songwriters like like John Prine is someone who really like inspires me as a songwriter and he's he has so many songs that are just so simple you know but just like so to the point and just like really capture moments and feelings really perfectly with like a sense of humor, but also like with a very, you know, serious um, approach towards the, the, the art of it, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah. I think uh, I'm forgetting what your original, what your question was here, but um, well, I guess what, what is um what is meaningful art and like what purpose does it serve you talked a lot about it sounds like telling the truth like you're Mm -hmm. you you find something that's real something that that actually it you know exists and approaching it from a very honest kind of way not in oh what do i want this to be not in a um 
you know, what do I want people to believe so much, but more just like, what is the thing and mm-hmm. what's the truth about it? What's, what is its quality? What is it really like to feel this feeling or to, to be in this place or, you know, something and then really tell the truth about it? Yeah. I, I guess my question mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. is related to like, what is the meaning of that? Or what is the purpose of that in mm-hmm. for you? Like, what do you think the value of that is doing that? Right, right, right. I mean, I think personally, you know, I think it helps, um, just like understand you know yourself understand myself better you know like if if uh i feel the need to write this song about this you know this feeling of november and then i'm like what is the feeling of november and then i spend like three hours just like lying on my bed just like trying to get these lyrics right and then i'm like oh yeah okay cool I got it. I think I got it. And it's really cathartic process, you know, to really sit with that feeling and that experience, you know, and like for a long time and like that feels valuable to me. And then it's like a valuable thing. I don't know. I hope it's a valuable thing to share with other people, you know, like, like, uh, it's just like being like, Oh, I've thought about this thing a lot. This is an idea I had. You want to hear it, you know, and like it, it's just a way of communicating an idea that you've thought about for a long time. And music is like a cool, powerful uh, tool that that uh, that can just like help, uh, you know, just a medium for translating ideas, among other things. Yeah, and it, it cer- certainly sounds like it's been valuable for you to consume music. Like that, you said, you know, I hope that it's valuable for other people to to hear these things, but certainly you've derived value from listening to music, right? I mean, it, mm-hmm. it definitely, there definitely. is music out there that's been really valuable to you. Like what is, what is the value of that music to you? Like what, um, what kinds of things do you think you gain by listening to music or what kind of perspective do you think it gives on your own life? Mm. That's a really big question. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I think there's, like, a lot of, like, I, I feel like I'm listening to music constantly, actually. Like, almost always. And it sounds like you always have. Yeah, but not nece- not necessarily for my entire life. Um, but, 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 uh, now, I mean, now I think I am. You know, I, th- I feel like I have gone through phases where, you know, especially when I was studying it really intensely that I just did not want to listen to music at all. But, yeah, I think it has a lot of different roles. It creates atmosphere, you know. It, uh, I mean, that's a big part of it. You know, I think it's, like, calming. You know, I think it's, you know, it can be, you know, motivating. It can make you think about things. It can make you feel things. It can make you dance. (laughs) You know, there's so much. That's, like, uh. You know, throughout my day, I could probably go through a day of mine and, like, like uh, write about why, you know, like, all the different ways that music has, like, helped me get through this day. You know what I mean? And, uh, I don't know. So, it sounds like you're just, like, a great lover of both playing music and listening to music. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so, yeah. If you had to choose one, playing music but not listening to music or listening to music, but not playing music, which would you choose? That's easy. Actually. I definitely just play 
for sure. Interesting. Yeah. Um, why is it so easy? Why? What, what makes you so confident about that answer? I'm not sure. I think it would be hard to play if I wasn't listening. But in terms of like, you know, I, I think like I, maybe I maybe I'd take that answer back if I if I existed for a few years just playing and not listening. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think uh, playing is just sort of a more active. You know, I I feel like I'm, you know, I'm someone who doesn't like watch TV really, or like just sit and like listen to an album. I'm usually going somewhere, doing something, and music is the background. You know, so I I, I don't know. I I think playing music feels like an active an active activity that brings me joy in a certain way. That listening is, like, even though it's really important to me, it just sort of there. You know. And it sounds like it serves yeah. your playing, like yeah, a big yeah, part definitely. Of, of listening to music is also just that it's inspiring in your own process, which is so valuable to you. Right, right, right. Writing music and practicing music, it sounds like. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, I had a had a. The question I was going to ask you was, um, one thing that I find really interesting is like the relationship between instrumental music and music with words. And one thing that I thought was really interesting that you mentioned was that there's something different about the process of writing a story, say, or a, a play, which I know you've done, um, and writing a song. Where and then and then you went on to elaborate and say that writing a song is more about um, telling the truth about a feeling or or exploring a particular thing from a couple of different angles, like something that's kind of simple mm-hmm. and just and just elaborating on it for just three minutes or just three verses or whatever. Um, but one thing that I've always found really fascinating is um, the kind of abstract nature of instrumental music. And you're a great player of instrumental music, and you're also a great composer of instrumental music. And as an improviser, it's something that you're very concerned with, which is like this process of not just playing the right notes, but playing notes that evoke feelings that, you know, instrumental music that is meaningful and impactful and and rich and complex which we know that instrumental instrumental music can be right and i think most people do i think some genres like jazz require maybe a little bit more of a trained ear just to really understand what it is exactly that you're supposed to be listening for say just Mm -hmm. like how the more you know about classical music i think it kind of enriches your experience of listening to it as well um but certainly everybody has feelings associated with certain instrumental pieces and film scores, right? Like the general public loves instrumental music, but it's much less popular than music with words. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But there's something about like the abstract nature of like instrumental music that I think is really interesting where it's sort Mm -hmm. of up to your interpretation and perhaps like music that has lyrics is up to interpretation as well. But certainly instrumental music, some of the music that you write, is really, um, it could be interpreted to mean a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you, being somebody who came up in such a clear literary household where the idea was to be very clear with language, how do you deal with kind of the abstract nature? Or what is it about instrumental music that you think really appeals to you? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... 
I guess a lot of the the composition aspect, which you know, I, I've written some instrumental music, but not not so much, and it's not something I feel like I've gone like super deep into. Um, so I'd be curious to you know to hear the opinions of people who are like you know composing large things like symphonies and like very you know ex- large uh, instrumental pieces, but. Um, you know, I, I guess I feel like instrumental, you know, I, I feel like really, it's like kind of like a puzzle with a lot of instrumental music. It's just kind of like, I'm not thinking about when I'm writing instrumental music, I'm never thinking about this means this and this means this. It's just like following the puzzle, you know, it's just like figuring out what the puzzle is and then solving it, you know, putting the pieces in, um, and yeah and i think something that like like i it's funny you're hearing what you're saying like why do we care so much about playing the right notes you know what is it that makes me hear a couple musicians play a solo and say this person played the right solo and this person played you know i mean maybe that's just being snobby but also maybe it's uh like there's something you know i definitely have some degree of caring about the right what notes you know not necessarily the right notes but like the right approach or the right feeling and and what notes feel right for this context and all this kind of stuff and and I don't know it feels kind of separate from specific words and ideas to me I think it's just sort of like um you know I I think it's like like it it reminds me of watching musicians who are really admired and who have great control over their instruments, but also like great, you know, very creative musicians who have great control over their instruments. And like, that is what, that really inspires me. So that's like what inspires me the most, like watching really creative musicians who have great control over their instruments perform live. And, you know, the composition of instrumental music sort of, sometimes feels like almost it's not secondary but it's just sort of like obvious you know it just sort of is there behind like it's just a vehicle for this other thing to exist you know it's like a lot of composition I feel like is like how can we uh make this ensemble or this whatever ensemble it is like reach its potential Mm -hmm. you know I and I guess I, I that 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 makes me think about like writing. I've been working with this uh, 5 p.m. porch program with outdoor music education for kids and had to write a come up with a piece for my five piece melodica ensemble with two vocalists. And it was just like, how can, you know, what do we do to like make this work? How can we make it work? You know, I feel like that's, and that question exists in so many different. Um, context that could exist with a five-piece melodica ensemble and or it could exist with like writing for a, a symphony orchestra or writing for a jazz band or writing for you know a guitar and bass you know it's like how how can we make this arrangement work best and how can we create something that we enjoy playing and people enjoy listening to you know and in that process there's like kind of a similar idea to what you mentioned about writing a song which is like clarity Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. there's something that you're trying to convey 
how do we pull the most out of this symphony orchestra or whatever how do you pull the most out of this melodic ensemble right right what could we do to convey this message very very clearly right 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 but sometimes i i i find it interesting that like what exactly is that message right it, it is something there's some mm-hmm. real human truth like you mentioned mm-hmm. like real virtuoso musicians and how thrilling it is to see somebody with so much control over their instrument mm-hmm. be so creative with their instrument mm-hmm. and it's like they're it's not just that they're moving their hands really fast it's that they're moving their brain really fast along with it it's like there's right. something really human about about instrumental music and yet um you know what is it about right right yeah like, i mean that's a great question i and and I, I, I don't know. I think there's just something fascinating about humans excelling in some way, you know, just having spent having a really deep relationship with this thing and being able to communicate in a beautiful way, you know? And, and I mean, I feel like I'm sort of like maybe avoiding your question about composition a little bit, but it, I think it's also because like I'm not someone who's like writing, who writes an instrumental piece and thinks this is a piece about you know, this is a piece about being in France and being sad and then going, you know, going and meeting, you know, a person and then going to this play, you know, it's not like a story. It's just like, there's not, there's no word, there's no details. It's just like, this goes to this and this goes to that, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think, uh, and I'd be curious about, um, I'd be curious to hear answers of other people who have spent more time with, with instrumental, specifically instrumental composition, because that, to me, that feels like a different thing than, uh, than uh, writing words. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. It, um, and yet, you know, you find yourself kind of bridging that gap. It's like you're you're passionate about the written word, and you're passionate about instrumental music i mean mm-hmm. you're primarily an instrumentalist throughout yeah. your life right so mm-hmm. yeah i find it interesting you know um you know kenny warner the pianist and oh, teacher yeah. he's got in in one of his books um he's just talking about like what the meaning of instrumental music is and as you say maybe the composer intended it for 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 this instrumental piece to be about a walk through Paris and you know, the birds are singing and that's how they saw this, this feeling. But um, like the individual might not interpret it that way. And that's valid. But one thing he says is like, he uses as, as an example that I think about a lot is like, you know, blue train, like by Coltrane, like what is blue train about? And to me, like blue train is a very evocative song. Like it, when I think about that song and that recording, it's like very, it almost kind of takes me to a place or it gives mm-hmm. me a very specific feeling. But I, if when I'm pressed to kind of describe that feeling, I don't really know what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that song really about? Yeah. yeah. I, just, I just find that abstraction of instrumental music to be really interesting. Um, and I guess that abstraction exists in the written word as well, because you can derive whatever meaning you find in somebody's song in a John Prine song, for example. Maybe the words are very clear, but maybe it has different meaning for you. Right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a whole another conversation to open up about language and 
the language of music and the limits of the language of music and the limits of the language of English, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so we'll wrap up here pretty soon, but I'll hit you with some rapid fire questions. If that's okay. cool. That's what Great. I like to do here. So, um, I've got some notes. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is the hardest thing about being a musician? Um, you mean specifically, you know, as a career or, or um, as a, you know, do you, do I guess you have, you, could, a, you have an idea of what, where you're going with the question? Or? I guess the answer is I'm interested in whatever you okay. think. <laughs> you're, you are a career musician. You're making a living as a musician and you're also a musician as an artist. And, yeah. and you know, so I'm interested yeah. to just hear what you think is the hardest thing about being in either of those roles. Totally. I think, I guess, uh, there are a couple things. One is just balance and like, uh, you know, putting the right amount of pressure on yourself so that you feel like validated in, in your own seriousness about this craft, but also feel like it's not, maybe not dominating your life and, and, uh, uh, and you feel, I don't know, just like maintaining a good relationship with, with whatever, with the piano, you know, feeling like. I, you know, spend enough time with the piano, but don't spend too much time with the piano so that it's a good relationship, you know? Because, and, sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that, so you're saying that sometimes playing too much piano can be a negative thing. Right. Oh, I mean, I, I guess I, I just feel like there's, it's easy to have a very like maximalist attitude towards music to think I want to be the best. I have to practice 10 hours a day to be the best. And I think at some point in my life, I just said, I'm never going to do that, <laughs> you know, but, but that doesn't mean I'm not, I don't care about it, you know, and I'll still practice like an hour or two a day, but sometimes I won't, but, but I, I think like, I think a tricky part is like finding, you know, feeling like, uh, you know, like just being honest with yourself about like, well, what, how can I have a good relationship with music? And feel like I'm taking it seriously, um, and just like have a healthy relationship and not, um, you know, not feel pressure to be spending more time on it than is actually good for me, you mm-hmm. know. But also still like pushing myself, you know, finding that balance between pushing, pushing, and also not just like mindlessly pushing, you know. Was there ever um, a moment in your life? Or your musical career where you felt like you were mindlessly pushing? Oh, always, you know, in phases, you know, especially like being at school at New England Conservatory, like that year, definitely, you know, but also I value that year too, you know, so, you know, I, I think it's just like one of those things, like, like a lot of things in life, you just sort of like push in one direction. And then at some point you're like, I gotta, I gotta stop, you know, I gotta, I gotta uh, take a step back and then try again you know or just like you know re re rethink the way i'm you know what my relationship with the piano is you right. know um yeah. make sure it's just like a sustainable relationship sustainable totally totally yeah and i guess i guess so the other that sort of ties in with like like i guess the idea of my my other answer to the question is like i feel like a lot of the difficulty is like it's like legitimacy. It's like saying like in the same way that, 
um, it's, it's a career and it's like, it's something that I think everyone around me who's making music is taking really serious, like so seriously, you know, but there are ways in which like maybe society doesn't see, see that, you know? And I think there's ways in which we have to like be constantly proving to ourselves and to others that the work that we are doing is legitimate, you know? And I think that's a good push to have, you know, I think it's really good that we're all pushed to think, how is what I'm doing legitimate? Mm -hmm. But I think it's also good to, you know, just think about what being legitimate means and why I care about that, you know, and like what, yeah, you know, I, I think there's just like a lot of pressure to have certain successes to, in order to feel legitimate or even just like a certain schedule in order to feel legitimate. There's like a lot of ways that a lot of that we just have like very open schedules and very, you know, it's just like, it's like it requires a lot of initiative. Totally. You know? Totally. And to the, as yeah. you mentioned, like the outside observer or, you know, the rest of society, it can be uh, confused with maybe idleness. <laughs> totally. Sometimes. Totally. And, and it's, and it's hard. And I think like uh, also just in terms of like actual career you know i i think the ways in which uh the work isn't steady you know is it's difficult to find a routine in life you know when when each month if you're on tour for a month and then you're back and then you're teaching like you know 40 hours a week and then suddenly you're not teaching because you're on tour for a month it's just a lot of adjustments and then suddenly you have a week where you're doing nothing because you don't have any students left because you were just gone for a month you know so it's like yeah just it's 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 a lot of like readjusting to and I, I think that's something we're you know we're probably both like figuring out like how to how to make it how to keep that balance where we're still like you know having all the opportunities you know, just like finding opportunities and doing exciting things with music, but also finding a routine with it and finding a way to have it like a sustainable part of our lives, you know? I do know. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah. It's like the goal is always to be just intentional, like to make sure that you're not getting carried away into, you know, a routine that's not working for you or that's going to burn you out. Maybe you're just practicing one thing nonstop I know that I can be guilty of that too. And you just get kind of lost in it. And then you pull your head up and realize like, Hey, I should have been, I should have been booking gigs for this band or I should have been rehearsing for this gig, you know, whatever it is, but to just make sure that like all of your time is well spent and mostly for me intentional. Like I'm I'm living my life the way that I want to and not the way that I've just fallen into. Right. Right. And I want to believe that that comes out in the music too. You know, that like musicians I admire are, you know, you know, have a good relationship with music and are able to, you know, I don't know how true that is because it's not always true. Not always true. (laughs) Sometimes that's a tough balance. Yeah. um, So next question. um, What, is there a moment that sticks out for you? um, You think back on where you were really proud of yourself, like an early moment where you felt really proud of what you were doing in music? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess, uh, I don't know. I don't really have a specific moment, but I, I think, I think like 
when I played at the Chianti Jazz Lounge in Beverly, I think about that. Like, I think that was something, you know, I, I, I saw a show there a couple of years ago and I was like, this is really cool. And then suddenly two years later, I was, I had a gig there and I was like, whoa, I can, I can do these, like I can achieve the things that I want to try, you know, I can do it, you know? And that was a really, I think that was a moment that like really, I felt proud of myself for like seeing this thing a couple of years ago and then like being able to do it a few years later, you know? being a part of it that's great yeah um um we'll wrap up here Mm -hmm. um my mind's going fuzzy at the end here (laughs) but um i have one final question for you Um, okay so final question aiden so what is there anything that you believe or that you feel about music that you find your you, you don't find in other musicians that you play with so much or something that you really care about music that um, you don't see other people that you're playing with care about so much? Mm, that's an interesting question. I think it, it it's different in different contexts that I'm playing. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I think, I think, uh, I probably care less about perfection than a lot of people I play with. Um, and just, uh, I think I'm a little more, I play like, I, I like when music feels a little more reckless than a lot of the people I play with. And I don't know if that's a good quality or not, but that's just, (laughs) that's just something I noticed. Um, I don't know what, what exactly was the question? Like, what something I believe differently? Yeah, or what's yeah. something that you really are... Um, maybe something that you really love about music or that you care about music or that you believe about the music-making process mm. that you just you feel like you don't see it so much in your peers. It doesn't have to be something critical, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but just something that, you know, really matters to you maybe that you feel, you know, a little bit alone with or, or you feel like you're in the minority about. Yeah, I, I think I have an answer is that that uh, I really f- I, I, I think I really do believe that like music is a really powerful tool that can exist in community like that, which I think a lot of people know that and, and uh, who I am around know and acknowledge that. But but I, I think there's like, you know, I, th- I I've been in a lot of environments where like it's like it's almost like music is like the default way of existing which is like better than music is just better than not not playing music you know so like in sort of like you know fiddle camp environments or even just like sometimes in my house you know it's like you're normally playing music and if you're not you're like just like eating or something so like and 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 i think like i do really believe that like uh I can believe in a society in which that that's what people do, you know? And I think that's like, as a teacher, that's something it's sometimes hard to teach music because I think, well, music is great, but it's, it's really especially great when everyone does it and it's, and it's what everyone is doing and what everyone is living their lives around, you know? And in a world when that doesn't feel like the case in the world, it's easy to get cynical about it because it's like, well, this is a cool thing, but there's not that many people who do it. So it might be hard to find them. And even if you do find them, it's like hard to find time to get together with them. And, you know, and I feel lucky 
you know, in this moment to have like a lot of like people who I collaborate with and just play with, you know, consistently and feel really grateful for that. But yeah, I, I guess I, I think, yeah, I think like just, and, and, and to sort of expand on this question, it's the last question. So I want to just keep talking because, because <laughs> no, but I, uh, you know, and I think like one thing is that, you know, musicians like being able to see that, that they have agency to organize things like you starting a podcast, you know, so cool, such a cool idea, you know? And it's like, and just the idea that like, it's not just opportunities exist in the world and we're all fighting for them. It's like, we have this as musicians, we have this powerful tool that we can like create our opportunities and organize things and sort of like piece things together. And instead of like, being cynical about the way that there's no gigs that pay money to think about, well, how can we create a society that has more music in it? And how can we create opportunities that like allow us to like make a living and make a community with this thing? Yeah. It's fascinating, you know, and I, and I know we could spend another couple hours talking about the 5 PM program the you know, the porch program that you, you ran. Um, we could talk a lot about, your history with musicals. We could talk about folk music. We could talk about all sorts of things. So we'll definitely have to do another episode, but um, in our final moments here, I got one final question that tagged, <laughs> tagged on at the very end that I always ask at the end of these things, which yeah. is the, you know, the whole kind of central question of this, of this program, which is, you know, why do we play music? So the question mm-hmm. to you, Aiden is why do you play music? Um, it's a long answer. I'll try to keep it short. Um, just because it's fun and because it's a way of communicating with people and uh, and a way of understanding the world better. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, Aiden Scrimger, thanks so much. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Steve. So we're going to have one final piece of music at the end here. Um, do you want to introduce this one? Is it Squall? Yes. Yeah. So this is uh, this is actually an instrumental piece i wrote uh, a couple winters ago after going on a walk and coming back <laughs> great yeah. and uh can you shout out a couple places where people can find you so i know you've got a great website that has a lot of information about what you're up to um well, uh, where else can people find you oh sure so um uh i'm i have a website aiden scrimger.com and uh, I'm on Instagram as A-S-C-R-I-M-G-E. I'm not great at posting consistently on either of those, but um, hopefully uh, you can find, uh, I'll post things that are important. And um, I also play in a few bands around the city, um, one of which is the Slide Stops, which is a country band, um, which is, we'll be playing a lot of gigs in New York in the next few months. Um, and hopefully all of this will be posted on my pages great we'll, we'll post some li- we'll post some links in the description as well so that's great in scrimger thanks so much yeah thank you steve all right yeah yeah man cool thanks so much great questions fun. thank you <laughs> a lot of fun you're a good guest